Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Money Mitch Effect. I am your host, Mitch Michaels, and we have a lot to chat about in the world of football. Chris Miller joins to break down the NFL. He's a Raiders fan. I'm a Browns fan. We're both miserable after Sunday. We recapped those comeback wins for the Cardinals and Jets, as well as Tua's big day for the Dolphins. Look ahead to the Niners' future with Jimmy G and pick all these games, preview all these games in the NFL slate coming up, starting with Browns and Steelers. And then it's Robbie Crowder, college football expert. We break down the uh, end, unfortunately, of the Bedlam series coming up between his Oklahoma State Cowboys and Oklahoma when the Sooners join the SEC. We recap some wild games in the college football realm and preview some big conference slates. There's some big ones coming up, Arkansas A&M, Ohio State, Wisconsin. A lot of breakdown of the college football weekend ahead. It's Rob Crowder, Chris Miller on the Money Mitch Effect. Let's start the show. All right, now on the Money Mitch Effect, back again, 2022 NFL season to talk some football. We have Chris Miller on the line, and uh, Chris, thank you for joining the show, and we're really going to test how much we love NFL football this week, let me tell you, Raiders and Browns fans <laughs> getting together. Yeah, well, hey, it's always a pleasure to be on the show, especially after a week two like we had to commiserate with you, for sure. <laughs> yeah, this was a this was a topsy turvy weekend. Uh, you know, in general, there didn't look to be like a lot of you know great games on the slate in terms of the you know some of the matchups. Uh, but we got some exciting finishes that unfortunately didn't go our way. Three games mm-hmm. in particular had some huge comebacks with Jets, Browns, Raiders, Cardinals, and Ravens, uh, Dolphins. Let's start with Browns Jets because I mean, why not? Uh, Jets win that game thirty one to thirty, and. Uh, they were up by a score. The Browns were of 30 to 17 with a minute 30 left. Now, there is some stuff that happened at the end of this game, Chris, where you can say, you know, Cade York missed extra point after being the hero. That was brutal. Could Nick Chubb have gone <laughs> down, of course. But, you know, and, and Kareem Hunt before that, before the two-minute warning goes out of bounds. That's true also. Uh, and these are all valid points, but what I keep coming back to is if the defense makes one play, <laughs> just one play at any time, you know, they, they win this game. But it was a disaster. It was a brutal loss, one of the worst I can remember at home to a team that had a backup quarterback and an outlook that wasn't really great this year uh, in the New York Jets. Yeah, yeah. It's, look, anytime I think you lose to the Jets, it's a brutal loss, period. Um, but uh, especially in this fashion, but. It was Joe Flacco doing Joe Flacco things at the end there. It's weird to say. I mean, I, they always have this conversation, right? Is Joe Flacco an elite quarterback? You know, I know that was always a running joke that we always had, but in moments he is. I in just moments, thought those moments not, were gone. And, and and the fact is that he owns the Browns sure. is pretty crazy. Um, you know, this is a defense that yeah. has has the Browns defense has a good uh, pass rush, but that's pretty much all they've shown so far. I was really disappointed in the secondary that. To, you know, touts a lot of talent mm-hmm. that they weren't able to step up. You do give credit to the Jets' offense. Garrett Wilson had his you know second pro game, two touchdowns. Looks like he could be a stud. You know, just another Ohio State guy yeah. just stabbing me in the chest. So that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, but, and I've yeah. heard a lot of people making the Garrett Wilson like sort of Justin Jefferson like comparisons. I mean, it's obviously too soon to tell, but maybe yeah. he, he, cer- he certainly had a, a coming out game. You know, he certainly you know this was his sort of statement too so we'll see i mean 
who doesn't love watching, you know, uh, a fun electrifying like mm-hmm. young receiver stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, I mean, it, it, what's really negative about obviously the outcome and everything is the fact that the Browns actually played a pretty good game up until those final two minutes offensively. It wasn't, I mean, yeah. Brissett through that pick at the end, he is a, you know, he's a backup quarterback, but he's pretty solid as a backup where, I thought they had the right game plan, really the last two games, of rely on the run game, time of possession, don't ask your backup to do too much. And uh, they missed a golden opportunity to go 2-0 and here. It's just the things that can't happen. I think it's the first loss in a couple hundred games in this situation, up 13 with under two minutes to go. So that's lovely. Oh, and I did see yeah, the last <laughs> time a team was up 14 points and lost in the last two minutes was the Cleveland Browns. Uh, when they lost the Bears about two decades ago. So I'm just rolling right now. Uh, I think it's also infuriating, too, because that division doesn't seem like it's as good as we thought it was at the beginning of the year. Obviously, the Watson suspension, Bengals are 0-2, Steelers are just battling, and the Ravens' defense looks like it's struggling. So this was a monumental loss and a chance to gain some ground on a division that's starting to open up. Yeah, definitely. You know, I I think... You know, it's week two. It's hard to say how good this division is going to be, but this was one of those divisions that people were looking at, agreed, beginning of the season, like this is going to be one of those like strong, tough yeah. divisions. And, you know, obviously, I think the, the biggest story is the, the Bengals struggling a little early yeah, more that, than anything else. I think, I think the Browns, people expected them to sort of have a rough start without mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson at quarterback. Right. To be fair, though, I like Jacoby Brissett. I think he's one of those guys that doesn't get a lot of credit. But as far as the backup goes, like he's usually really solid. Like he yeah. has a lot of good potential. I mean, he, he, he played great. Twenty-two as a for twenty-seven for in this game. I mean, yeah. twenty-two, twenty-seven, two hundred twenty-nine. They weren't slinging it, you know, but they ran the yeah. ball thirty times with Hunt and uh, Chubb, and you know, got you know they each averaged four point five carries. So Chubb having the three touchdowns. I mean. Look, it's frustrating. I know the Steelers, they got the Steelers in a couple of days, so if they win that game, people will, will forget about this one, as, as crazy as that sounds. But I'm so glad you brought the yep. Bengals because that's true. I mean, we, we kind of expected the Steelers to kind of be where they are, just a scrappy team that's still putting it together. But the Bengals redid their offensive line. And props to the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Props to the Cowboys. They win with, Meek, they win with Cooper Rush at quarterback. Mika Parsons, yep. Parsons is a game wrecker, you know, Pollard stepping up, kind of becoming that lead back in Dallas. But the Bengals redo their yeah. entire offensive line, four new starters. The whole plan in the whole offseason was we got to protect Joe Burrow. We're going to do it. And he's on pace to get sacked <laughs> double. I know it's two games, but he's on pace to get sacked twice as much as he did last year, which was a lot. So that is, I mean, that has to change or they're going nowhere. Yeah, I think didn't. Didn't he set like a record for like most times sacked in like two games in a two game stretch yeah, in the NFL? Uh-huh. Something like fifteen times, yeah, right? In the he's first on, two games. He's definitely on track for over a hundred sacks this year, which I don't think is humanly possible. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see if he even makes it through there. But you know, he, he that's got. I mean, yeah. the counter to that too would be okay. Maybe you were up against T.J. Watt before he got hurt. Obviously, game wrecker Mika Parsons, who might be the best game wrecker in the league right now. So maybe it'll start to come yeah, he, down. He's great. But yeah. there's, there's flaws in this offensive line, and it, it it prevents them. Like, you know, with football, you don't have time to get it to you, those all-star playmakers. There's no Jamar Chase. There's less T. Higgins. You know, there's less uh, Hayden Hurst yeah. stepping up. So there, there, there has to be time involved, or this offense isn't going to be going. And at 0-2, I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of shocking they've started this way because the schedule wasn't that tough. There's 0-2 when you just have a gauntlet of a schedule. They had the Steelers week one. 
and then they had Cooper yeah. Rush and the Cowboys week two. So games they could have and should have won. Yeah, and to be fair, like they should have won that game against the Steelers. I mean, the <laughs> late missed field goal that should have been a chip shot to win. And yeah, um, extra point. So, so technically, they should be one and one. But yeah, the the big story is the fact that they supposedly made their offensive line so much better, and the fact that Joe Burrow still can't get any protection. Like I, I feel for that kid. Like he just he just gets drilled. Like just week in and week out like the fact that he's still upright and able to play football after all of that is is insane but you know i'm curious to see you know how this plays out if the Bengals are going to be one of those like one and done flash in the pan type type teams you know that has a great season and loses in the super bowl and then disappears or if they can right this ship but Mm -hmm. they're certainly not going to do it if they can't keep joe burrow upright like it it just won't yeah, you're right. And and the AFC being loaded, I mean, right now, the balance of power is still a lot of time, but it looks like there's more quality teams in the AFC. So that's not going to help them either. Um, just to kind of yeah. put a bow on this division for week two, Dolphins-Ravens, I mean, that was wild. Uh, Ravens were up big, uh, 21 points going into the fourth. Dolphins scored 28 in the fourth quarter, 42 to 38. So looking at the Dolphins side, Tua, everybody's maligned. Everybody's down on him, it seems. New coach Mike McDaniel gets there. He throws for 469 yards and six touchdowns. Uh, Tyreek and Waddle each had two. Each had 11 catches. 190 for Tyreek Hill. 171 for Waddle. But the yeah. story of this game to me, I mean, they have a lot of playmakers. They've got a dynamic coach. But this was a glimpse at the Tua that the Dolphins dreamed he could beat. He was unbelievable when it counted in this one. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that comeback in the fourth quarter, I mean, it's ridiculous. What, one, two, three? Three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Four. Four. And it was four for four. Every time they got the ball, they went down the field and scored. Yeah. I mean, that's just, yeah. And part of that, though, I mean, I don't know what was going on with the Ravens secondary, but just letting. This is the thing, man. This this is the thing. I've seen it before. No, I'm saying, no, obviously with Tyreek Hill, it's what he does, and he's completely changed the complexity of that team, that offense. But the Ravens secondary. I mean, this has happened before. Remember the Monday night game? Uh, what was it, a year ago, two years ago? A year ago with Baker Mayfield and Lamar, like the shootout thing. I mean, Baker Mayfield obviously let yeah. you up. I mean, they've had issues. I know yeah. injuries play a part in this, but the Ravens defense starting to kind of show signs here. And and it, it was shocking to me too, Chris, that the Ravens offense, which Lamar was playing great in the first half, ran for a touchdown, threw for three in the game. Mm-hmm. But you'd think they'd be good build, like holding on to a lead with their run-heavy offense and time of possession, but you know that wasn't the case mm-hmm. either. So shocking to say the least, but you got to give credit to the Dolphins because they put it all together and they have one of the, maybe the most explosive offense in the NFL. Yeah. Did you think you're going to be saying that this no. year? I mean, I, I, think we, I think we all figured Tyreek Hill was going to make a difference for that team. I think the question mark was, was Tua being good enough to utilize Tyreek Hill as a game changer. Well, I, I think they sort of answered that question pretty good. Now, granted, again, it was against the, as you said, a probably a down year defensively for the for the Ravens. And again, see against what this week they're playing yeah. the Bills. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be the truth. That like, is two of the the real deal? Can he show up and play against the Bills defense that's playing really yeah. good football right now? Well, uh, I mean, they, they, they destroyed the Rams in week one. So, 
that's a different story. I don't know if the Rams are as good as they were last year to begin with, but we'll see. I mean, definitely, definitely an incredible single game for him. You know, let's yeah. just see if he can turn it into well, multiple games. But the, the definitely Bills, a good test week three. Yeah, the Bills destroying the Titans last night. I mean, they they look unstoppable. Yeah, I think, I think their last like I want to say ten straight wins. Obviously, you have to take you know the playoff loss out of there, and I think another loss in there. But <laughs> but their wins have been double digits. Like they don't have a win in their last like ten of wins that have been single digits. So it's pretty insane what the Bills do when they well, start rolling. And I, that's why I look at the Ravens. Just one last note on them: in a loaded yeah. AFC with a lot of good offenses and a lot of good quarterbacks, I don't think this defense is built for it as it stands. Like Mahomes, Herbert, even Josh Allen. Like now with two in this, I think they're going to struggle against good dynamic offenses. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, but I mean. I think the going back to the Bills' defense real quick, I think one of the best stats they had, I mean, granted, Derrick Henry did get a touchdown, but they held him to 25 yards. Mm-hmm. Like, that's pretty incredible. And, you know, and when you got a defense that's playing this well and a quarterback who's just <laughs> phenomenal and just fun to watch, like, this is, I think there's a good reason why people are picking them to be the team that comes out of the AFC. I, I, I'll tell you this much. I'm I'm looking forward to what's ultimately probably going to be a, a rematch between them and the Chiefs in the playoffs. You know, that's going to be... Yeah. Well, who doesn't want to see that? Yeah, I mean, uh, it looks like it's a good possibility. We'll see where and when it happens. Uh, Chris Miller, her on the Money Mitch effect. All right, let's uh, let's just let's shift the sulk to your team and the Raiders <laughs> side of things because that was... Uh, look, that was we bad. I mean, there's no other way. It was 20, it was 20 to nothing at halftime. Uh, I've been critical of yep. the Cardinals uh, and you know some of the things they've done or haven't done. Uh, they were down and out and on their way to 0-2. And uh, Kyler Murray got hot, started playing some backyard football, started making plays. Mm-hmm. Chris, I'll, I'll let you take it for, for what kind of this game, kind of how it turned and, and why it turned out not in your favor. But similar to my Brown situation, there were so many opportunities for the Raiders defense to just make a play down the stretch, and it just didn't happen. Well, but here's the thing. Yes, you're right. But when the time of possession completely swapped, mm-hmm. as it did in the second half, you know, and that defense, I think they said at one point Derek Carr hadn't made a play in like 30 consecutive minutes or mm-hmm. something like that. So when your defense is on the field that long, it's hard to expect them to make a play. But they did. They did make a play when it counted, and that was in the overtime. Oh, the overtime, yeah. You know? Yeah, I you guess know, they, I was looking they, at it they, from the they regular. Get the top that they yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, and there was, you know, they did make some good plays, but they got the Cardinals got bailed out by penalties. It mm. was it wasn't as if they weren't making the plays; they yeah. were also just shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah. You know, on that last touchdown, uh, you know, Max Crosby had uh, had Tyler uh, Murray stacked, and then they, you know, give him an automatic first down on a defensive holding. Mm. You know, it's just. Uh, yeah. No, they just, it was a lot of penalties. And for a team that had very few week one against the Chargers, <clears> all <throat> of a sudden just go to like <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah. They just, it was, it was just penalty after penalty after stupid penalty. But I'll tell you what, what really, what really got me <laughs> wasn't even that. Like, I'll forgive all of that for the most part because in overtime, the defense, Gets they did the what stop, they needed yeah. to do. They got the stop. Then you have, Renfro stretching to get a you know more yards, fumbles the ball, they get it back, right? Like Foster Moreau falls on the ball, yeah. bails yeah. him out, right? It's a second down play later. Okay. They're in field goal range. 
the, the I think they were from on the 36 yard line. Easy field goal range for for Carlson. Renfro again stretching. Why are you stretching for extra yards on a second down play when there's still plenty of time on the clock? Yeah, get the ball knocked loose. Game over. Yeah, like, it's just it's it's just not using your your, your dang head. You know, yeah. like and the the team was doing that all game long. That's why there was the penalties. I mean, that's why Renfro ends up losing the ball. And to be honest, if it wasn't for a big penalty, they don't even get that field goal in the second half. And honestly, probably wouldn't even gone to overtime. Yeah, you know, I, like, I, <laughs> I, I hear what you're saying. I do. And Carr's got to be better, uh, which we've kind of seen at, at certain points. Uh, Devontae Adams only had two catches in this game. You'd like to see maybe they can game plan him a little bit better. But, no, it's 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 sure. brutal. I mean, three points in the second half is not good. Uh, I just look at it from the side of the Cardinals needed two touchdowns and two two-point conversions in the fourth to force overtime. Mm-hmm. We got all those plays. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is what Kyler again, does. Like, like, yeah, look, all, you know, lots of credit to Kyler Murray. Like, he, he took that team, you know, on his back and carried them to victory. But part of that was because the dang offense could stay on the field long enough to, to give that defense a break, you know? I mean, it was so many, like, Born out, you know, the, the field goal, again, the only good play they had, and that was off of a, a pass interference call, which could have gone either way. If your offense can't stay on the field, your defense is not going to make stops, period. It's tough, man, giving up ground in this division, you know, with uh, seeing what happens mm-hmm. now. The Chiefs are at 2-0. and uh, The Chargers, I mean, you know, they could have obviously – couple plays go their way on Thursday they could win that game we'll see what Herbert's status is but their revamped defense looking good now the Broncos were the other team that you know something's not right with them at least early on just 16 points at home having to score late to beat Mm -hmm. the Texans you wonder if it's going to take time for Russ to get in this groove or you know will he even get into this groove so I think you know they're battling the injury bug as well but they they got the win it was as ugly as possible but that division the much talked about because of all the talent in the division and I get why but, you know, no wins yeah. are guaranteed. We saw that, and we, we've seen that the last couple of weeks, some of the upsets, that no win is guaranteed in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, I don't, I'm, I'm trying to just determine if this whole Broncos thing is, is more Russell Wilson still trying to get used to everything. I mean, he had, mm-hmm. you know, a whole offseason you know, to, to gel with this team. I mean, granted, they don't really play the preseason games, but... You know, I think a lot of it falls on the coaching staff, to be honest. Yeah. You know, I think it's just been poor decision after poor decision, yeah. bad clock management. If, um, if Jerry Judy's out, though, that's huge. I mean, they because they already lost Patrick, mm-hmm. the other receiver in the offseason, and Judy can be a top – I think he's got that top 10 receiver in the league potential. If they're without him, I mean, they're sure. really struggling. So, yeah, it's just funny how yep. we talked all offseason about the AFC West and how deep and, you know, and Kansas City's, you know, at least so far starting out at the top. Yeah, of course. I mean, I, I I don't think anyone expected Kansas City to not be on top. Yeah. You know, and, and even Kansas City's defense is playing well, which yeah. is crazy. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. come on. Like, can, can you guys just give us – you can't have both Kansas City. So, you can't have a good offense and a good defense. Like, give yeah. us something. I, I, I'm with you. Yeah. I, I think it's crazy that – I mean, I think – Chris Jones being an impact player, the defense stepping up when they need to, it's like, wow. Like, yeah, they're they're built for, I think, more postseason success, as odd as that sounds, without Tyreek Hill. Uh, Chris, before uh, before we go on too further, I got to tell you, of all the stuff that we haven't talked about yet, something else that stood out to me in the NFL this week, maybe the top storyline yeah. outside of our team's choking, uh, the return of James Garoppolo. 
Yeah. You know, sorry, apologies uh, again, really bad condolences to Trey Lance, brutal breaking his ankle like that out for the year. But the you heard it said time and time again, the best move the Niners never made, getting rid of Jimmy G, keeping him in the fold, keeping him there as the insurance yeah. policy. They cut him on the sideline. He puts his helmet on. Guy didn't even practice, didn't do any training camp, no games. First drive, <laughs> touchdown. He's like a politician on the sideline. Everybody loves him. He's shaking hands after the game. He's signing jerseys. And and <laughs> and oddly enough, and I said this when it happened, I thought it would be the case, Chris. Their Super Bowl odds kind of dropped. They're they're viewed in Vegas as a better odd to win to win the NFC at this point with Jimmy G there. And I get it because that's what he does. He wins games. Yeah. Yeah, he does, you know, and I, look, I'm not going to, I'm not going to fully sell the, the, you know, buy on the, the Jimmy G and the Niners just yet. They did beat a, a relatively mm-hmm. poor Seahawks team. Then they beat him pretty badly. Yeah. But yeah, I think whoever it was in their front office that said, Hey, let's not trade Jimmy. Let's just hold on just in case. Right. I think that person is, you know, like just walking around just saying a big told you so. <laughs> For it was sure. it was I mean, crazy it, though that he yeah. came in cold, you know, and and was able to kind of hit the groove. And I think part of the reason oh, yeah. part but, of the reason that I'm bullish on it, and I obviously know there's tiers to quarterbacks in the NFL, and Jimmy G's not tier one, but this roster was always built for someone like him. It's an unreal defense. It's got Debo Samuel, who's a top maybe five playmaker in the league. They've got a good yeah. good line, good power running scheme. So there was a lot of uncertainty as to why you would go rookie QB that really hadn't earned the job that was just anointed to it. Now, a guy mm-hmm. like Jimmy G in this offense, like, yeah, if you put him on a team that, you know, he needs to, you know, sling it, it might not be as good. But, hey, I, I just, I think they're in a better position. It sucks for Trey Lance. I'll keep saying it. But I think they're in a better position mm-hmm. this year to contend and make noise with this guy at their quarterback position. Oh, 100%. It's funny because <laughs> I'm seeing, like, all these posts now, like, ever since Jimmy took, over the team again that like oh new Super Bowl prediction Bills mm-hmm. <laughs> Niners I was like wait one game all of a sudden like the Niners now all of a sudden you're the NFC favorites I mean and it just goes to show you I think how unready Trey Lance was to take over the team you know I mean obviously you feel for the kids you you know you don't want that kind of injury to happen to anybody especially someone who's still just getting their feet under them yeah. you know no pun intended um and I don't know, just from everything I heard from 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 training camp and preseason, you know, people were keep talking about how Trey Lance just looked confused and wasn't quite getting it all together. And yeah, uh, I hear you. Unfortunately, I, now we have to wait another year to see. But yeah, you know, well, gotta be happy for Jimmy. Proving people wrong again. Yeah. Can I say also that I think part of the reason why we might be bullish on the Niners is, as I mentioned earlier, seems like there's more quality teams at the top of the AFC right now. And just look at the teams mm-hmm. that we thought, you know, the, the popular picks for teams to be contenders in the NFC this year, like the Rams, brutal game one. And then in game two, they almost, I mean, they they could have easily lost that game late. Like the Mariota threw an interception yep. in the end zone down six. Like that's how close the Rams were to being 0-2 at yep. home. And the Packers, yeah. okay, they beat the Bears. And, and I still think the Packers, like last year, losing the week one can turn it around. But they're working some stuff out with their receivers for sure. And then you have the Bucks mm-hmm. that are that have a great defense, but offensively Brady's obviously forty five now, and receivers and injuries and stuff. So that's why I think the Niners kind of have a lane. Like, and they they've obviously beaten the Packers and won big playoff games on the road. So 
know, that's why I think they're kind of ascending a little bit. There's a lot of question marks at the top. Yeah, I mean, when I look at the NFC, like, there's really no team that I'm looking at that's just like, oh, this is... Maybe the Eagles, huh? This is the what, team about, what about the Eagles? <laughs> Eagles? Hey, you know what? What about Detroit? Oof. Just to throw that out there. Wow. The one-on-one Detroit Lions, you know? Wow. <laughs> It's yeah. possible. It's anyone's yeah. game in the NFC. I know it's it, you know? it is it is pretty cool to see. Uh, Chris Miller here on the Money Mitch effect. I do wanted to I do want to mention we, we we threw out some of these other games, but the Bucks Saints yeah. game. I just love good old fashioned sports hate, and uh, we got <laughs> it with with these guys and, and a couple players in particular. My my initial reaction to this is, a I, I think the Saints. You know, as long as as long as it seems like they're in the league and Brady's in the league and whatever, they're going to play them tough defensively. They did it again. They just yeah. match up very well with that team. But the brawl that you know, the 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 brawl, the Evans Lattimore fight and everything that went down, you know, oddly enough, happened yeah. on a call that Tom Brady didn't get. Um, I don't. I mean, you know, I don't. I don't actually think many people did anything wrong here. I think guys are standing up for themselves. I don't think Lattimore should have backed down. Brady's obviously not. Yeah. And then Evans came in and, and kind of. You know, you have to know. I guess if you're Lattimore, that this guy is going to try to take a run at you whenever he can. But you know, I don't think there was much done there. The suspensions. I'm. I'm fine with Evans getting one. And you know, I just think that's yeah. from a from a sports fandom perspective. I think it's good to see that. Yeah. I mean, you gotta you gotta love you know just good old fashioned just animosity and intensity between teams, especially division teams, you know, it's just who doesn't love going back and watching like some of those like classic, like like Ravens Steelers games. I think they're very yeah. similar in that sort of that mentality, you know, these games were just teams just, just hated each other, you know, but both played really well, you know, so yeah, yeah it's, it's fun. I mean, you never want to see guys getting into fights. No, you know, but it's talked, like, what, but, what but, it, it's funny. It's like the, you know, what, what did Vladimir think would happen if he got in Tom Brady's face? Like, let's just be real <laughs> about how the ecosystem right. works, well, you know? Exactly. And honestly, I think part of that is he knew, I think he was instigating. I think there was part of him that, that thought, okay, if I do this, someone's well, going to react. I'll tell you this gonna... though, man, that, that, that yeah. was a pretty even, you know, ejection, but it ended up hurting the Saints yeah. more with Lattimore not being yeah. there. He's that valuable to the team. And you saw it when they threw a oh, touchdown yeah. right after. And, and oddly enough, if you get past the fight, this game was lost because old Jameis showed up. I mean, yeah. they, he threw two of the worst interceptions. Could have been three. I think one was overturned. But, you know, that's that's the guy. You're going to live and die with him out there, right? He could sling it like he did in the fourth quarter against Atlanta last week, or he can throw some mm-hmm. of the dumbest passes we've seen. And that's why it's hard to fully rely on him long term in any game he's dangerous but also i guess dangerous to his own team yeah yeah i mean i totally agree losing Lattimore, you know especially in a moment you know you get up in tom brady's face like what do you think tom brady's gonna do after that he's gonna throw a touchdown you know, mm-hmm. like it's just you know, like, it's crazy especially man if he knows their best their best defensive back is is not on the field yeah. you know uh Wild, wild to say the least, man. Also wild that we've got, you know, mentioned the Eagles. How about the Giants are 2-0, and a team that Giants ran to the top there. So something to consider. Yeah. Uh, and Jacksonville Jaguars are, I mean, yeah, <laughs> go ahead. Does beating Carolina really count as a win, though? I mean, yeah. I know they barely beat Carolina. That's true. But I guess, look, if the NFL wins a win, I'll give them that. They, they still won. Not but, many wins in the AFC but, South. Just one win, you know, in the AFC South. <laughs> Wow, that's uh, and it was it was an AFC South beating up on another AFC South. So, yeah, it's you know. 
that the Colts look really, really bad. The Titans don't look good. I mean, the Jaguars at the top of the division, why not, right? I think any one of these teams could we, – we could have a losing – we could have a losing record division champ. It's been a while for that, so. Wow. Yeah. Do you think someone coming out of the AFC South is going to have a, a sub-500 record and still make the playoffs? I think it'd Ooh. be very possible. I really do. Uh, I mean, the Colts definitely look, don't look very strong. I mean, who comes out of the AFC South anyway? Jacksonville? I don't know. Does the, do the Titans <laughs> figure it out to win division games? Like, can they win division games? I think that's where the Titans have cleaned up in this division recently, I is think, if they can win on, in the I, division. I think they're the best team in their division mm-hmm. still. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. Hey, maybe Jacksonville's turning, you know, also turning the page, and they're, they're going to, you know, start shocking some people. Uh, I don't see it happening, but. Well, let's, they certainly played a great game against Indianapolis. So. They did, man. Crazy. Well, let's take a look at some of the best week uh, three slates, week three games uh, that we have to offer, which, by the way, still going strong in my survivor pool. I say going strong going into week three because we've lost like 70 teams with all the upsets. So uh, it's, been, wow. it's been quite a journey with all the upsets. And if the Rams would have blew that game to the Falcons, I would have been sitting really pretty. But enough about that. Uh, Brown Steelers. <laughs> Cleveland four and a half point yeah. favorites at home. I mean, this is—it's not going to be pretty. I'll tell you that right now. I, I think this is going to be, you know, a low-scoring type game. I kind of feel—I kind of feel okay about the Browns. I think maybe because T.J. Watt's out and the Steelers aren't yeah. really moving the ball well. But you know, I know these games, and it's—you know—it's going to be a slugfest for sure. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, God, if I had to make a prediction, though, I'd say I'd give the edge to the Browns. Though in Probably, Cleveland, I think in yeah. part because. In Cleveland, and I think part of that is the loss of PJ Watt. Like that's a big loss on your mm-hmm. defense. I mean, yeah. that losing that that dynamic of a pass rusher, it's like, huge. It, that, it's huge. It's huge. Um, uh, your your Raiders versus the Titans, two zero and two teams with so much you know yeah. hype before the year. Man, this is a tough one. The loser of this game is really struggling. Yeah, yeah, that's gonna be a tough one. I mean. I think the one thing the Raiders have going from in this game is their run defense actually has been pretty good this year. Um, and you know what? The pass defense actually hasn't been terrible, you know, Cardinals game aside. So we'll see. Uh, it's going to be a tough one. It's one of those 10 a.m. Pacific time, you know, 1 p.m. Eastern in Tennessee. So those are always tough for the West Coast team. Yeah. But, yeah, just, God, I mean, I'll be watching. But just make your, make your mimosas good. early and get ready to watch the Raiders play on the West Coast. <laughs> Because the last two games have had quarterbacks that have kind of shred, shredded you guys, and I don't think Tannehill's going to do that. So I kind of like yeah, the matchups I in mean, that regard, and I think that you can neutralize him. I mean, Kyler Murray might be the best athlete in the NFL, so for him to make athletic plays is one thing. Um, but no, I mean yeah. they got to step up and they got to play four full quarters, and it's going to be on the road. So, but yeah. I, I think the game yeah. of the week is probably Bills Dolphins. And think about this: like Agreed. it's in it's in Miami, maybe maybe going to be mm-hmm. another humid one there. But the two outcomes yeah. would fascinate me, right? If the Dolphins win this game, they beat the Bills, they're 3-0. It's like, wow, we really have to take them seriously. But imagine the Bills just, mm-hmm. just boat race and toss aside Miami. Then it's like we've, mm-hmm. entered the new, we've entered the rare juggernaut stage of 
this team clearly looks like the best in the NFL. So I'm excited to see this one probably more than any game this weekend. Yeah, I don't think at any point I would have said, man, I cannot wait for that Bills Dolphins game. But this is this looks like it's going to be one of those early season like, oh yeah, let's go, let's see, let's really see who the top dog is. I still think the Bills come out on top. They're, that defense combined, you know, with Josh Allen at quarterback, it's hard for me to pick against them. But you know, the mm-hmm. Dolphins uh, show that they got some magic in them, and they do magical things in Miami. So <laughs> we'll see. That's going to be a, that's going to be a fun game. I'll probably be switch between that and the Raiders Titans game for sure. Well, you got Lions Vikings too. You were high on the Lions, and if they can, you know, they could go into <laughs> Minnesota and win that game. So, yeah, I mean, I don't say I don't know if I'd say I'm high on the Lions. Yeah. <laughs> I just like let's just let's yeah. not sleep okay. on them. That's all. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. They're definitely not last year's Lions. No, no, they're not. Everybody loves Dan Campbell. Uh, Rams Cardinals should be fun. It's in Arizona. They've got new life. We'll see where both these teams stand. Sunday, uh, the the afternoon primetime game, Packers Bucks. This will be the Green Bay win that they yeah. can kind of you know go forward with. Tampa, Tampa is going to be without Mike Evans for this game. He got suspended, so that's another weapon. And I think Brady is going to miss him in this one. Godwin isn't even. I don't know if he's cleared yet. He re-injured himself, so that's a backup receiver. Yeah, I don't think he's playing. Yeah, and I don't think Julio Jones is going to be playing yeah. either. He might. It's right? Brutal. That's, I think he's that's, still. Yeah, that's. Brutal. I think he's still questionable. Wow. So that that going to be an interesting one and that Packers defense is actually pretty solid so that's gonna be a tough game for uh for Tom for sure but uh he's got a good defense so we'll see but I would give the slight edge on that one to the Packers for sure yeah I think the primetime games are just Niners Broncos you have Jimmy G taking on Russell Wilson one of these teams will you know be be setting themselves up going forward a big statement win there and the Monday night game, yeah, Monday night games, Cowboys Giants. Giants going for three and zero. Cowboys going for two and zero with Cooper Rush. Something improbable is going to happen. Yeah, boy, right. I'm going Cowboys on that one. I mean, I, you know, maybe I got you know got Rush fever. Who knows? But uh, I'm I'm going Cowboys. Uh, I think uh, I'm not sure. I have to think about I'm that. Going, but I, I am going Jimmy G and the Niners in Denver. I think they're built to win this type of game. Yeah, I, I agree. Their defense is too good, and I think the Broncos' injuries is going to make it very hard for them to to overcome that Niners defense. And uh, I, I'm going to go Cowboys over Giants because you know what, Mika Parsons. That's mm-hmm. that's why. Such a freak. Um, yeah, such a freak, man. Yeah. Um, Chris, yeah. this has been fun. Last thing, I know it's two games in early. Do you have a team you want to make a bet on that they won't make a Super Bowl run? I think it's better. Than <laughs> they won't make now. a Super Bowl run. But they won't make yeah, a. I let's mean, say. Let's maybe not. We, you know, we could try to do this anyway. Like maybe win a division or win a playoff game. I want to do something fair with the team that. Fair enough. Maybe maybe <laughs> a non zero and two team. Let's try that. A non zero and two team. Okay. Um. Boy. Anybody out there that you're thinking like frauds? That I think are frauds. Yeah. Uh, I think the two and O Giants are not the best. Yeah, I think the Eagles are the best team in the NFC East right now. Okay, do you want to do Giants? Um, not, do you want to do Giants not to make the playoffs? Is that bold? Is that too bold for nah, you? Make, that's bold. Giants did not make the playoffs in a weak NFC. Boy, let me see. Uh, I'm trying to think here. So we got, we got the, say the Eagles win their division. I mean, even if they go 3-0, they can blow that up. really fast. You know, we've seen it before, so. 
Yeah, you know what? Yeah, let's go. Let's let's do it. Let's do Giants to not make the playoffs. You know, I think that's I think that's uh, yeah, that's pretty good. good choice. The odds are still. I think Vegas still has them as more likely not to make the playoffs than to make it. So even if they go three and zero, it's a lot. But we've seen a lot of teams start fast and fade fast. So okay, uh, we'll have to. But I'll also say this: I think Titans to turn things around too. Okay. Yeah. Titans to turn things around too would be a good one. Um, I think for I think we'll have to figure out the terms, but I think if the Giants make the playoffs, I think something fair and, and wholesome would be just you'd have to have a day, a full day, where you're just all blue. Like all have, blue, yeah, where it's got to be just like blue pants, blue shirt, like everything blue. I mean, I have a lot of Dodgers gear, so that would be really easy for me to do. But so. I feel like it has to be uh. more like you know solid blue, like head to toe, you know. Like we're talking blue pants, like we're talking, yeah. I think that's the way you got to really <laughs> just embrace. There's a Brooklyn your... Dodgers. <laughs> yeah, well, that's they're... technically New York. We're finding loopholes in there. <laughs> we'll have to workshop this, but I like it. I like it. Giants not to make the playoffs. Still, you know, yeah. You yeah. still got they uh-huh. still got Daniel Jones as their quarterback. So I mean, come on, uh, Chris Miller, man. Yeah. Pleasure chatting with you in the NFL. We'll have you on it for sure in a couple weeks to keep it going. Yeah. Uh, but thanks for coming on the Money Mitch Effect and uh, getting us going for football season. Yeah, man, my pleasure. You know, it's always fun talking about football with, with the Raiders. You know, Dr. Spencer and Wings, too. You know, that's, that's okay. Uh, one day, <laughs> one day we'll both be happy, but thank you again. <laughs> yeah, I know. One day. <laughs>that was chris miller thanks to him for coming on the money mitch effect it was therapeutic uh, to go over those losses but hopefully the browns bounce back against the steelers so i'm looking forward to that one obviously uh, but thanks to chris we're going to college now to talk with rob crowder a lot to discuss his oklahoma state point of view on the end of the bedlam series uh, we recap last week's games and go over the, the best lines the best spreads and, and what to look forward to in the college football slate with the conference tilts coming up it's rob crowder talking college ball here now on the money mitch effect All right, now it's time to talk college football here on the Money Mitch Effect, friend of the show. Uh, we've been doing this a few years now, but Robbie Crowder on the show. And Rob, glad to have you here. We're getting into the college swing. It's end of September, unbelievably, already. Uh, good to have you on the show to talk a little college ball. Yeah, pleasure as always. Uh, you know, we're getting through the non-con slate into conference games, so the, the heat's about to turn up. <laughs> yeah, it's already turning up. Um, before we get to... Uh, Kind of, you know, where we are, some of the, the notable events last week and the uh, the unofficial and the official rankings. Uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts as the noted diehard Oklahoma State uh, fan that joins this program. Thoughts on the official ending, which we already kind of knew was coming, but the official ending to the Bedlam series when Oklahoma does join the SEC. Just kind of your reaction to that and some of the comments. It's kind of hard to keep track with what everybody's been saying, but your initial reaction to what went down today, the official ending of the rivalry. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge bummer. Obviously, another great college rivalry uh, is kind of biting the dust, at least for the near future. You know, the Big 12 uh, has had a couple of those with Kansas and Missouri and Nebraska, OU, and then uh, Texas, Texas A&M. And so it's just another one of the conference realignment kind of collateral damage effects. So it's a bummer. I, I, I'm not going to lie. I, I always get up for the Bedlam game in whatever sport we play them in so uh you know at least in football it won't be happening probably for eight plus years because 
you know, Oklahoma State's kind of scheduled out uh, with, you know, we got games against Bama, Arkansas, Oregon. Uh, so some heavy hitters in there. Yeah. I would add Arizona State, but uh, I don't know if that factors in. Sorry, Wit, uh, at the moment, what they got going on. But, uh, yeah, so it's a, it's a huge bummer from a fan standpoint. But, you know, OU made their bed, and they're going to have to lie in it. Uh, I, I do wish, uh, you know, Sooner fans would keep our name out their mouth because, you know, we had nothing to do with them having secret combos and choosing to jump ship to follow money. I mean, I do get following money and jumping to the SEC, but they're in – I think they're in for a rude awakening uh, for an SEC schedule. So um, I will be watching probably every one of their games going forward, but uh, rooting for probably whoever they're playing against. So, But I guess that won't factor in until probably 2024, 2025 season, uh, the end of that season. So we got a couple more years, but the next couple of bedlams, oh, man, those are going to be time-time yeah. television, to say the least. Yeah, unfortunate for sure. Uh, still a couple years of rivalries left. Both teams have started out strong, so at least this year's slate, this year's game should be good. Uh, although I think the schedule for both will uh, be picking up here, <laughs> to say the least. But, you know, it wasn't the it wasn't the biggest slate of games last week. There were some other storylines I wanted to get to. Uh, you mentioned Arizona State and our buddy Witt. Uh, well, sometimes the best thing that could happen is a brutal loss at home to a terrible team, to a, to a, not a terrible team, but a team that shouldn't be in your class. Uh, with all due respect to Eastern Michigan, uh, Herm Edwards gone, and this might end up being the best thing that happened is just bottoming out completely as opposed to just hanging on to him for a few more years. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it, when we played them uh, last week, it was it was a good game. I mean, they had their chances. They kind of missed out on some of them. But it wasn't a blowout, which I kind of thought it might turn to, depending on how they showed up. And I, I think you're right. I think it's a blessing in disguise because Herm kind of took over the culture and just what the football team was, and obviously lost some huge transfers over the over the um, over the summer. They lost yeah. that pick wide receiver to FSU Wilson, um, and he's been lighting it up in the ACC to start the season. So. Um, hopefully they can get someone in that'll change the culture, get it back to the swagger that they honestly should have. Because, you know, let's be honest, they have some of the dopest unis in <laughs> college football and yeah. fear the fourth really cool. So I, th- I think there's a, there's a lot available to them. I, I'm curious how long it will take them to hire their next coach. Like, are they going to do it mid season? Are they going to wait until the end? of the season and see who's on the block, which that may prove to be the better choice. I will say, you know, the name Urban Meyer was floated. I think that rumor's dead now, but that I think would have been a huge mistake. So I'm glad that uh, hopefully that's going to pass over. But um, because, you know, culture there, I don't know if if, if, if that would be a, the good pickup after Herm. But, um, and also you've got uh, recruiting, or not recruiting violations. They got NCAA violations on the way as well. They're being investigated. So, um, it's going to be an interesting year, but I, as you mentioned, I, I think they're primed to to rebuild and, and reload because, you know, with where the Pac-12 is going and, you know, USC, UCLA jumping ship, they have an opportunity to start stealing from, from some markets that weren't available to them previously, you know, now that the other teams will be in the Big Ten. So I'm excited to see what happens. And I, honestly, for my homie Witt, I hope, I hope they yeah. figure it out quick. Yeah, right they, the ship because I, I want to see them get some dubs. Yeah, they not lost, No, yeah, <laughs> there they they lost a lot of talent um, that they had recruited well because of what's going on. So you feel like you can get players to that program and 
and we'll see. Uh, I also think, you know, it looks like Brian Harrison is going to be following, you know, the, the is going to be following suit and looking for a job because that was a rough one against Penn State, and that, that had all the signs of that lifeless program that, you know, again, shouldn't be that hard to at least start attracting talent and building something. But that was the next one. I, I did want to give credit to some big wins this week. I mean, maybe the biggest win of the weekend, the most impressive, Rob, and I don't know how much of the country saw it, but what Washington did to Michigan State, you know, they were un, they were unranked going into that game, Michigan State number 11, 39-28, and it wasn't even really that close. Penix getting the transfer, healing up, and doing wonderful things. The uh, the Huskies are kind of throwing their hats in the race out in the West Coast. Yeah, I mean, as RG3 said, big Penix energy, you know. Um, I, yeah. So I, I don't know if that's more a reflection on Washington or was Michigan State kind of overhyped going into the season. I'm not going to lie. Like when I saw the initial AP polls, I was scratching my head at them that high. And when they kind of lost to Washington, I was like, ah, maybe that's what that is. But flip side of the coin, I think Washington may be pretty damn good. They looked electric. They got a wide out Polk who, you know, had 150 yards, three, three tutters and Penix threw for four. You know, the running game wasn't super dominant, uh, you know, from an individual standpoint, but yeah, Washington's going to be fun to watch. I'm, I'm curious what's going to shake out in the Pac-12 because, you know, USC looks pretty looks yeah. pretty good so far, too. They they do, and, and I think the pac is fascinating. I, I don't, and I'm curious to hear your take, but I don't know that USC's there quite yet, but they will be there in terms of being in the mix. It's it's actually pretty similar to, to Lincoln Riley's teams at Oklahoma where you, you look at the offense and you're like, okay, I trust it. Like, I trusted to put up points against just about anybody. But defensively and in the trenches, can they build it? Again, just one gear. So I think they're going to be, you know, they're, they're right maybe ahead of schedule. Uh, Utah bouncing back, which we've started to see as well as is pretty big. Washington in the mix. Pac-12 is going to be kind of fun down the stretch. I don't think anybody, USC included, will go undefeated. But I think that's going to be a fun conference to follow. Uh, but, I mean, I guess on that question, Rob, do you think USC is kind of in the mix yet? Or do you think? Do you think Riley needs a couple of recruiting classes to kind of get there? I mean, having watched Bedlam last year, Caleb Williams is the truth. Yes. That kid is nasty. Um, and I think it'll boil down to exactly what you said. I think if their defense can at least be serviceable, yeah, I think they they are the front runner to take the Pac-12, in my opinion. Um, just because if you've got Caleb in the backfield and you're not really facing too much top 25, I mean, who's left on their schedule? Is Utah? Uh, you know, in four weeks, you got Oregon State this week. They're three and zero. Who knows? Then they got Notre Dame at the tail end. But Notre Dame, ooh, mm-hmm. they there's something going on there. So I, I think it's their conference to lose. It, it really is going to boil down to I think that October fifteenth game against Utah. That's going to say kind of where where who's going to take the conference. I think. But as we mentioned earlier, Washington could be the dark horse. Like Penix looked solid. You know, the past couple of years in Indiana and. If he's got the right crew around him at Washington and, you know, you got a coach who's got proven success at other levels, they could be dangerous. Yeah, they're up to 18 in the ranking, and Oregon after thrashing BYU is up to 15, so they're back on track. And, yeah, suddenly the Pac-12's got uh, a bunch of ranked teams, and they're making their move. Uh, it's fun to see. Uh, last thing, just, you know, the rankings have pretty much – it wasn't the reckoning that we saw – Last week, but the rankings pretty much helped firm uh, some light movement there. But the top seven intact uh, in the AP poll. Do you consider it to be a big gap with Georgia and the rest of the field, at least right now? Obviously not writing anybody off, but it just seems like what Georgia's done and how they've looked. I mean, <laughs> they, they might be scarier than ever. 
Yeah, I would put Georgia, you know, if you use the, the social ranking system, they're F tier. I think they're just on a different level of mm. talent and coaching and just players who can get it done. I think Alabama is a question mark still. We'll have to see them play some SEC teams. Uh, you know, the game at Texas was kind of troubling, but until those teams kind of play other teams, we don't really know where they land. Right. Ohio got that nasty wideout crew, but we'll have to see that. They got Wisconsin this weekend, so we'll kind of get a, uh, a kind of a temperature check there. Yeah, I, I think it's really one and then everyone else in the kind of trenches trying to figure out who's going to come out on top because until some of these big teams in conference start punching at each other in games, I, I don't think much will shake. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be fun, though. I think, I think this season is going to be a blast across the board. Can't wait to see it. Uh, Rob Crowder here on the Money Mitch Effect. Let's look at uh, some of the games this week. Uh, you know, Thursday is West Virginia, Virginia Tech. Doesn't have the build that it once did, uh, but that should be a fun one. Close spread there. Uh, how about Friday night? Virginia goes to Syracuse, and Syracuse starting undefeated, winning a thriller uh, in their game. So suddenly uh, the Orange, Dino Babers and company, like suddenly <laughs> there's a program in the Dome. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the most fun games I've watched in quite a while. Um, it's pretty fascinating, actually, to look at. The Orange teams in college football right now are pretty dominant. Clemson 3-0, and Oklahoma State 3-0, and Tennessee 3-0, and Syracuse 3-0. and uh, and then you've also got Oregon State, uh, who's a sneaky 3-0 and receiving votes in the AP Bowl. So Orange teams are, are having a good start, but uh, a lot of dominoes are going to fall here pretty quick. And I think Syracuse has got a, got a pretty good shot at taking down Virginia. Virginia didn't look terribly exciting uh, thus far this season, and they lost their, you know, really fun uh, tight end from last year. So uh, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the pressure now on, that's the thing, is like Syracuse being in this role. We'll see how they adjust to it, but they've passed every test so far. Um, and I want to mention as well, we, we one thing we didn't talk about, just an absurd ending in Appalachian State against Troy. That was that was ridiculous. I mean, think about it. You go to Appalachian State, you're a smaller school, who's got some cred because of a win way back when, and then you get game day, and then you're losing right at the end, and then you just chuck it up and have just a filthy fun ending yeah. to take the win. I mean, as a student, that's got to be number oh, one on your like favorite sporting moment of all time. And players rush, fans, players rushing the field and a big old dog pile. I mean, it doesn't get better yeah. than that. I'm so happy for Happy State. Got a cameraman stuck in there. It was great. Uh, it was so funny. Uh, one of the ones I want to talk about with you, uh, games this weekend, Rob, and we didn't mention them, number four team in the country, Michigan. They play Maryland. It's a uh, 16 and a half point line. Now, this is obviously a step up in, in competition for Michigan based on what they've had. But do you see any, I don't want to say upset potential, but friskiness? Because 16, 17 points is quite a lot. Yeah, I mean, Maryland, they've kind of, they've taken down SMU. They beat Buffalo. They beat Charlotte. They could threaten. Um, personally, I think Michigan's going to roll. But there's definitely upset potential at being an early, an early game. But, yeah, we'll see. I mean, personally, I, I'm not a big Michigan guy, but I think I, I'm not terribly worried about this one for them this weekend. I'd be more worried about, you know, kind of who they've got coming up on the, in the Big Ten schedule following that. But I guess they're fortunate that the next game after that is Iowa. So, LOL. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. just got to get some points on the board. You're fine. That game, that Iowa game last week took like eight hours to play. By the way, it was just it so was many lightning hunker. delays. <laughs> yeah, they had like five lightning delays, and like at the end of the game, 
the security guards were already gone. So like people were walking in, walk with their dogs on a leash to watch the game. Just walking Absolutely. out to the 20 yard line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like that guy in the, in the LSU game. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That was nuts. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I think Michigan wins. I think this is probably going to be some spread drama late, but this seems about right. Um, and I mentioned before when we were talking off air, going to be in Dallas for SMU TCU. And I'm curious as to why, you know, SMU at, at home, I mean, again, both these schools are local in the Dallas Fort Worth area, but like a one point favorite at home against a TCU team that, you know, had the 25 point win over Colorado, hasn't really played anybody at all, but other than Colorado SMU coming off a loss. So I think that's a, that's a coin foot game if ever there was one. Yeah, I mean, this is the battle for, for DFW, you know, and SMU's already doing some shots fired on social media. They had a, a video of a Ford Must or a picture of a Ford Mustang about to run over a horned frog in the highway. <laughs> so it's it's going to be a fun one. Oh. Uh, I'm excited to see it because I got one cousin uh, who's married to a guy who went to SMU, and she went to SMU as well. And then on the other side, her sister is married to a guy that went to TCU. So this will be a, a familial uh, kind of duel in my family. So I, I don't necessarily care who wins. I just be exciting and crazy. Well, it's played for the Iron Skillet. So we have our first trophy or one of our first trophies of the year for the rivalry game. Maybe the first one I have to check, but it's the Iron Skillet. Um, you know, it's been an SMU's possession the last two times they played this game. And, uh, I think, I think it's great. I think you should have to cook with it immediately after the game though. I think they should literally yeah. have like a short order cook situation going on. You should be making eggs on the field. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that would just be fantastic. But unfortunately they have two mascots that you can't really cook. So I uh, have to get a little more creative. Oh, uh, that's so true. Oh man. I can't wait for this one. Uh, other games to pay attention to. Uh, I'll also point out something else, too. This isn't a game to pay attention to because they're playing Duke, but how about the Kansas Jayhawks football team? Man, uh, what Lance Leopold's done with that team is fascinating. I mean, they could barely pull off a win, you know, one win per season for the past couple of years. They're just ripping off a conference win against West Virginia. Mm -hmm. uh, there were jokes about them getting game day. Of course, that's going to Tennessee, Florida, hate match. But uh, I, I'm excited to see what's going on with Kansas. Like, mm -hmm. I I had my buddies texting me like, "Hey, maybe Kansas is back." And you know, of course, I sent back to Anchor Man, "I don't believe you with the cigarette." You know, uh, I'll I'll wait until they hit the conference slate. But what they've done, just even ripping off three wins off the top, I, I'm 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 going to be watching their games going forward, which I don't think I've ever said about their football team before. Yeah, they already hit the over uh, in their preseason total, which is uh, insane. They've got three wins already. Uh, they beat West Virginia, so they got that win under their belt for conference play. Houston is no slush. They beat them by 18. Uh, incredible stuff. Have not, you know, the stat I keep seeing get Kansas people send to me is they haven't lost basketball or football, you know, since like March 1st or whatever it was. So they are just riding ah. high in, in those sports right now. Uh, quick thoughts, Rob, on uh, a bi another Big 12 matchup here. Iowa State-Baylor. Iowa State three three point favorites at home. They lost the, the uh, they won the Seahawks game for the first time this year. Baylor lost that tough one at BYU. Big game early in the Big Twelve conference slate for some positioning. That is actually the game one of the top three games for me this weekend. Obviously, I'm a Big Twelve homer, but Iowa State is a team you do not want to play at Jack Trice Stadium. Like, um, and it's a nine a.m. kick. Woof. Like, or sorry, nine a.m. Pacific, so mm -hmm. a noon kick mm -hmm. or eleven a.m. kick for them. So 
it, it's going to be a dogfight. It, it, no matter what game plan you go into, Iowa State is always just going to mess you up and try to slog the game. So I, I'm excited to see if Aranda can kind of right the ship after, as you mentioned, the BYU loss. And uh, I just hope it's a, a crazy bonkers game and that, you know, Iowa State can kind of beat up Baylor before Oklahoma State catches them next weekend. Yeah, I mean, obviously you got a lot riding on that one. But Iowa State, I think that getting that win over Iowa, even though it wasn't a Big 12 game and even though it was one of the ugliest games we've seen, it was huge for Matt Campbell and that team to just finally beat them, you know, and just finally get that next step. But, yeah, that that's that's high on my list for sure. Uh, Auburn has a game I just want to mention against Missouri. They're only seven-point favorites against a, a, a mediocre to bad Missouri team. And uh, Drinkwater could be on the chopping block already, you know, as well. So there's a lot of lot riding on that one. That game's going to have a, a lot of ramifications for both fan bases. <laughs> a lot of negative energy in that one. Uh, Auburn is not the place to be right now. Uh, and, and another one I want your thoughts on early. Uh, Wake Forest at home against Clemson. Had a scare against Liberty last week, barely survived. They're getting seven points at home against the Clemson team that's back in the top ten. I think Wake Forest obviously was looking ahead to Clemson, did not play their best game, squeaked it out. Clemson is the superior team. Seven points is the lower number. I think the only option, I think I think there is a there is a window, Rob, for Wake Forest to do well in this game because I think they can score. I think the problem is going to be if DJ keeps playing well like he did last week and Clemson gets a good quarterback game, that's when I think they roll. But if he's off and with Wake Forest's offense, maybe they can keep it close. Yeah, I think I think Wake Wake's fortunate that they're playing him at home. Uh, and DJ, you know, didn't in those first couple of games didn't look terribly electric, as you mentioned. You know, he kind of redeemed himself recently, but uh, it's definitely a trap game, I think. Uh, and especially the line sitting flat at seven and not having any halves on there. I don't think there's a ton of confidence, but they're still the top five team, and they've got tons of talent. So if their talent shows up. They don't go to sleep. You know, it's an early game. I think Clemson should take it, but Wake Wake could play spoiler pretty heavy in that one. A Big Ten game I've got my eye on in addition to the one we're going to get to. Uh, not the one that is getting all the pub right now, but I think there's a lot of ramifications in Michigan State, Minnesota. Spartans coming off of a bad loss. Three-point underdogs at home. That line's kind of shot up. Uh, Minnesota, are they? I mean, this is going to be a, a how-good-are-they type of game. Minnesota having a chance they thrash Colorado but that program is in disarray uh Gophers favorites on the road in East Lansing yeah that's pretty wild uh you know Michigan State takes 1L and uh you know it seems like the outlook from everyone else is kind of flipped but I guess counterpoint Minnesota's three wins are against New Mexico State Western Illinois heavy (laughs) and as you mentioned Colorado who looks to be the Kansas of the Pac-12 at the moment so I I I think it's Minnesota, Michigan State is really kind of a war of attrition to me. It's really who's going to show up that day, but I don't think the talent gap's very big on either side. So I think it'll just be a dogfight, and whoever whoever decides to wake up and kick some butt, it's going to be their game. More with Rob Crowder here on the Money Mitch Effect. Some more games to get to. Uh, also wanted to just throw out there. Um, a quick one before we get to some of the heavier ones. North Carolina is a one-point favorite slash maybe a pick depending on what site you get it on, at home against Notre Dame. So this game has turned into a coin flip game. And look, if you're a North Carolina fan, if you're Mac Brown, this is your chance to beat Notre Dame, right? With, with the program, with the quarterback out, with the injuries. 
I kind of feel like it's going to be Notre Dame winning this one on the road. I'm just not buying into the Tar Heels. Yeah, I'm not buying into the Tar Heels either. Uh, obviously, they had that crazy shootout with Happy, and then they squeak out a seven-point win against Georgia State. Yeah, question. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Also, I think Notre Dame is going to be pissed off going into this game. They're one and two, and just not looking confident. Um, and I think you know, after you see Tommy Reese going off on on the QB last week, I think. I think there's a lot of people who are going to be held accountable, and I think this is a game where they can put it together and maybe uh, lay the smackdown on an ACC team that hasn't looked terribly comfortable yet. I'm excited for that. Uh, obviously, there's some 330 games that we got to talk about. Florida and Tennessee, the Vols are 10-point favorites in this game over the Gators. That has to be, and I don't have the data in front of me, but that it's got to be a long time since they were double-digit favorites, favorites in this rivalry game. Uh, I, I like what Tennessee's done. I think showing some grit in that pit game when when they didn't have their best level. Rob, I, 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 and I hope they win, but I just think this number is too high. I, I, I don't think I would feel comfortable laying 10 points for the Vols in this one. And I'll put it to you like this. I think Florida is a very inconsistent team with a very good quarterback who's also inconsistent. But I also saw in that South Florida game that they were lucky to survive, that they played to the level of their competition. So I think they're going to get up for this game. I don't know that I trust them over a 12-game season to do that every time, but I just think 10 is too high of a number. I, I'm not saying money line outright for the, for the Gators, but I, I think it's going to be a close one. Yeah, I mean, this is a rivalry game. These two teams freaking hate each other. And Tennessee, you know, in that, in that pit game, showed with their tempo on offense that if they catch you slipping, they're able to move the ball really well. They're top three in tempo so far this year. Um, in terms of snaps per game. So um, I think Tennessee is in the driver's seat for this one just because they've got two wideouts that are, in the words of Sean Sullivan, dogs. But I, I agree with you. Um, any kind of game like this, especially with a noon kick, uh, or a midday kick, rather, is going to, I guess it's 3.30 for them. I'm obviously speaking Pacific time. But I, I think I think it's, as you, as you mentioned, it's kind of a coin flip uh, for me as well because, all bets are off when you get to these kind of rivalry matches where two teams are just going to get up to the level of their opponent, and both of these two teams are going to be coming out hot. So I'm just looking forward to a good game in this one. Uh, obviously, I'm going to swing uh, you know, some bias toward my homie Sully um, and hope that Tennessee takes it because about dang time they you know, kick some butt in their conference, and it looks like this year could be it. But uh, I don't think Florida is going to go down easy in this one. No, and I actually think Kentucky is a pretty good team. That loss was more, you know, understandable. But they're they're a Jekyll and Hyde team. I just think that's a lot of points when you have Richardson at quarterback. I like the Vols to win, but I don't don't think they cover in this one. Um, and it's going to be weird for you with the with the bye week coming up here. Just kind of talking about all these games, stress free. Yeah, I mean it's pretty exciting. Uh, also, my garage is going to be done on Friday, so I'm just moving furniture, watching football. So. Um, it'll be great. You know, we'll just, uh, honestly, like I said, I'll, I'll just be watching that Baylor Iowa state game and hope that Iowa state can kind of get into Aranda's head before we get Baylor next week. What's, uh, what's your read on the other big 12 game that's piqued my interest Longhorns at red Raiders, uh, Texas five point five point favorites on the road. I think they showed a lot of maturity in how they didn't overlook UTSA and uh, a dangerous team, and they kind of handle them in the second half. So do you like the Longhorns to win and cover, or do you think the Red Raiders can be frisky? Well, it, it's tough to tell. I think 
Texas showed against Bama what they can what they can pull out if uh, if everything's hidden. Obviously, Ewers being out is a big hit, and Hudson Card isn't necessarily a, a fan favorite. I know David Lara is not the biggest fan thus far, uh, a resident Texas fan. <laughs> um, and Tech, Tech took down Houston, but look who else took down Houston, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and in-state kind of took down Tech. Uh, it could be a close game, but I, I think Tech is going to be coming out firing. I, I think they're going to lay the smack down on Tech personally. Um, mm. But, you know, you got to play. You got to play, see what happens. That revamped Texas defense run by a uh, a Big 12 legend and Gary Patterson. You know, I think they yeah. I think he's been doing a great job there. And I think Texas in a lot of years, Rob, would have lost that game to UTSA. You know, hung their hats on the close Bama game and then faltered. So I think they're going to come in and handle business. I really do. Um, speaking of which, yeah. I uh, Ohio State takes on Wisconsin, 17.5-point favorites. I feel like they're going to cover this game. I'm not just saying that as an Ohio State fan. I think Wisconsin showed that the offense still has some, some issues, losing that low-scoring game at home to Washington State earlier this year. And I think I, th- I think Smith and Jigba is coming back. I'll have to monitor the injury reports, whether or not he does. Marvin Harrison Jr. just looks like a stud already. Um, that receiver room is frightening. And uh, I think Ohio State's going to be scoring. So I think I feel good about Ohio State at home. I think winning the ugly game against Notre Dame where they had injuries and Stroud was off was actually a good thing in hindsight. And I think the bucket Buckeyes are ready to kick it into high gear. Yeah, no question there. Honestly, you know, as someone who's familiar with good wide receivers on an OSU team, <laughs> uh, you guys have a stacked lineup going there. Also, you know, if you're faltering week two to Washington State, who basically was a dumpster fire mm-hmm. all of last season, got knocked out by a Sunbelt team in a bowl game, I think that kind of shows where Wisconsin is as a team right now. Uh, you know, they did light up New Mexico State last week, but it's New Mexico State. Um, and they also took out Illinois State. So they really don't have a body of work that inspires any confidence. So personally, I see Ohio State rolling pretty heavy in that one. So that's one that I that I like as well. I think uh, Arkansas A&M is going to be a heck of a game as well. Um, A&M won, a, won an ugly one last week, but the 7 p.m. Eastern time slot, A&M two-point favorites. Arkansas surviving Bobby Petrino, the neck brace, almost stole one against his home team. But Arkansas, Texas A&M, two-and-a-half-point dogs for the Razorbacks on the road. What do you think about this one? Yeah, I think it's going to be a good game, but uh, I personally haven't seen too much from A&M where I think they're a deadly team yet, just yet. Yeah. So I, I have winning honestly wow. by a touchdown if our, yeah, i mean a&m's offense is strong their defense has been been pretty good this year i mean they've got they've had some breakdowns here or there but yeah if arkansas wins this game i mean Pittman, what he's done is just that that's absurd like he's turned it around from from nothing to something so fast obviously a lot more pressure on a&m which is probably why in my mind i think they're going to win this game because it's, it's like they have to but hey man if arkansas pulls it out that'd be nuts um uh, another last Big 12 game I want your thoughts on, Rob. Oklahoma, the Sooners, 12.5 points against Kansas State at home, Saturday night, 8 p.m. Eastern. Do the Wildcats have uh, a throwback upset in them? Man, at the beginning of the season, I would have said this is a huge game to watch, but I don't know where K-State is right now. They lost it to Tulane last week. They got Deuce Vaughn, who's like the reincarnate Darren Sproles in the backfield. I think they could, but... I, unless they come off of that loss last week, just pissed off and, and they're firing on all cylinders and slogging the game down like they always do against 
you know, big 12 opponents. I, I think Oklahoma has the potential to kind of, kind of rock their world pretty, pretty hard. Um, just because I think Venables and that team are starting to hit stride. And um, I think they're going to be a pretty good team this year. So I, I, I think Oklahoma takes it pretty comfortably. I'm not saying it's a blowout, but I think it's a 10 or more takedown unless, as I've mentioned, K-State just gets into their mm. chaos yeah. bag and pulls out some crazy O-lineman crap like they always do. Yeah, Oklahoma it hasn't lost the uh, even with the Renables era starting. They still love the big plays, the quick strikes, and uh, we saw that last week against Nebraska. I think we see that again. Uh, the last two I want to talk about are two, you know, Pac-12 a little bit after dark, uh, 9:30 and then 10:30. I like the favorites a lot, Rob. I like USC at Oregon State under a touchdown. I think that's good, and uh, and I got the advice from the uh, the Sun Devil fan. I like Utah to just destroy Arizona State this weekend. Yep, I I think those two are pretty safe. Uh, as as someone points. who it's fourteen points in the Utah Arizona State game, and I think that's a very nice number. I think I, I, unless you have one of those like you know head coaches gone in the interim has like the one game yeah, like where the riderless the, horse. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it has potential for that, but. Um, to echo which sentiment, I think I think Utah just absolutely blasts them this weekend. So, yeah. Oh, man. Can't wait to see it, Rob. Uh, pleasure talking football with you. I guess, you know, the last thing, and we can end it on another on a positive note with your squad. I mean, you're ranked higher than every team on the schedule left except for uh, Oklahoma as of now. Which uh, of the games coming up in the conference slate are you, I guess, I would say worried, but most intently looking forward to as like a tougher test? Uh, as opposed to some of the other ones. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, after this bye week, we've got Baylor, and um, they beat us in the Big 12 championship in heartbreaking fashion last year. So that's kind of a revenge game for us. But honestly, I think it's OU, Baylor, OSU are the kind of three that are going to be swirling near the top. Uh, Texas has the potential to play spoiler, but they're coming to Stillwater on our homecoming. Uh, you know, the nation's largest homecoming. Uh, so, you know, that'll be a hell of a game. We always play them in just circus animal games. So uh, I would say number one is just that Baylor game. Then the next big one is, is Texas. And then we got Iowa State at home, which is massive because they've had our number when we're ranked highly in a season. So uh, thankfully we got them at home. So that kind of gives my heart a little more, uh, you know, assurance. Um, and then, you know, Bedlam at OU, dear God, that's going to be a hate match, absolute hate match. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, hope the wins keep coming. I know you mentioned the Baylor game, you know, you being at that conference championship game and then having just the sequence of events of, you know, not feeling well, lose that game, Ohio State takes your D coordinator. It was a rough couple of days for you, but I'm glad we've recovered and we're on to this year. Yeah, thankfully Notre Dame slotted themselves in <laughs> there good. for a little bit. Kind of made us feel better. There you go. There you go. Rob Crowder, pleasure as always chatting college football with you. Look forward to look forward to doing it again. Thanks again for coming on the Money Mitch Effect. Always, brother. That's going to do it for this week's episode of the Money Mitch Effect. Thank you to Chris Miller. Thank you to Rob Crowder for appearing as guests. Money Mitch Effect is on all your podcast platforms and follow me on Twitter at MoneyMitchM21. We also have the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page for some exclusive content there. 
We'll be back next week to talk more football. I think we got to talk some hockey as well with the season. Just about to get going. And the baseball playoff push. The Cleveland Guardians beat the White Sox last night. So Guardians looking to make that, that playoffs with a division run. Aaron Judge hit home run number 60. We'll have to get a baseball expert in as well. But for Rob Crowder and Chris Miller, my name is Mitch Michaels. Thank you for listening to The Money Mitch Effect. Keep enjoying sports.